Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lose Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, I hope you guys had a good long weekend, and I hope you're ready for... Uh, we're going to be diving into some more more MLR news and then much more. How are you guys doing? Ah, oh, man, not too bad. You know, like you said, nice little Valentine's Day, family day, kind of multi-holiday long weekend. That's kind of rare. You don't really get those too often, but uh, nice to, you know, spend some time with the loved ones and all and, uh, you know, get back to uh, some Major League Rugby now that it's uh, it's all done. We actually went up your way and did some uh, some hiking around like, Peterborough. On the oh, nice. So. Uh, listen, I, that's what we did a little bit of that this weekend as well. Uh, the area's got tons of places. If anyone's ever looking just for places, just go for a nice hike. You'll never miss with Peterborough. That's for sure. Stu, how are you doing, buddy? How was your, your weekend? I'm doing well, thanks. I think uh, one of the issues with being in lockdown is that days just blend into <laughs> one another. So it just depends on which day has an alarm and which day doesn't at this point. But, you know, I'm... I'm keeping well. I'm looking after myself. Um, getting out, trying to get ten thousand steps in each day, which is uh, a bit harder when there's a uh, fresh snow by a foot or two outside your front door. But you know, gotta keep moving, keep trying these things. I was gonna say, Dan, healthy choices. Dan, me and you were allowed to go do stuff again. It's just Stu that's like stuck inside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I mean, I I've... wouldn't necessarily recommend doing everything, right? No, <laughs> no I uh, I've gotten used to this this life that I live now, this sheltered life of watching sports, watching six nations, the, the Scotty's tournament of hearts starts on Friday. So I get to watch some current live curling again, getting fired up for that. Uh, so I'm kind of used to just living in my own little bubble and just watching sports. It's been kind of great. Unless I'm a Leafs fan. I mean, you watched the game last night. That was brutal. Oh my God. Why did you, why did, I mean, why ah, did you listen, we're going to start with sadness, yeah. but you know, we're actually, no, we've, no, we, do, we're, we're not, we can go, we can only go up from here. Exactly. You got to start somewhere. Uh, and you know what, guys, let's get right into it because uh, the Arrows have uh, added a few names to their, their roster to kind of get ready for this this training camp that has already been a, a, um, about a week in. Um, and the first guy we're going to talk about is someone who uh, is a familiar face. Uh, the fiery red prop, uh, Pat Lynott, has re-signed with the Arrows. Now, gentlemen, the, the, the loose head position is quite an interesting one for the Arrows because they had announced that a certain player uh, would be joining them, but um, according to the Queensland Reds in their pre-train or preseason games, uh, Richie Ayazada has not left Australia. So uh, it looks like we might not be seeing him this season. So my question to you guys is, what is Pat's role going to be with the team? Because Ayazada was the starter last year. Does this kind of open the door for for why not to be? one of the guys that that takes over that number one jersey i think so i mean if you kind of look at the the arrows prop situation right now like you know you got lineot and brower on the loose head side and brower obviously was the best prop in the league in 2019 um he looked in phenomenal form in the uh the few games he played last year and then obviously you know the world shut down so we didn't get to see him for the entire season um, then you have on the tight head side, you have Keith Rowland, Cortez, and um, uh, Marc Antoine Ouellette, um, who are all kind of all tight heads. Um, so I guess you could have the option. I mean, the option is probably there to kind of mix and match that a little bit, see if somebody's willing to or able to convert to the loose head side. 
But beyond that, it's like it's pretty much looks like it's going to be between Brower and Lynott for uh, the number one jersey. So I think that is that is a big opening for Lynott. Um, it's uh, but I mean, obviously, nothing's nothing's come out from the club in any official capacity yet, other than his face being absent from the roster page on their website. But yeah, like you said, Dennis, like he Asieda played for the Queensland Reds in a trial match last week against the Waratahs and is now now has he wasn't on see the thing is like that kind of confused me with the Queensland Reds or which is confusing me with the Queensland Reds right now is so Asieda wasn't included on their initial like this is the 2021 squad announcement yeah but he was part of like a massive PR tour thing that they were like I think they called it like Reds to Regions or something like that, where they went like a, I guess around Queensland visiting schools and whatnot um, to promote the team and promote the upcoming season. And then he played in the trial match. He actually played at Hooker um, for that match too, playing uh, the full <laughs> second half. And um, but after that, now he's on the Queensland Reds roster page on their website. No, I wonder if it's like a medical joker situation, like someone got hurt. And I don't know. In Queensland I, I, genu- I genuinely don't know. Um, you don't know everything about the Queensland Reds? No, no I don't. <laughs> I know. I know. They're, I know. Richie Assiate is one of their hookers. Allegedly. So, but ultimately, if that's the case, um, then yeah, that definitely opens up a massive window for why not? And. You know, he, he he was he's been good in his appearances in the league so far. Like he definitely is capable of being an MLR, like a starting MLR prop. Um and you know, like last year, he he played it four games, total of 85 minutes, obviously coming off the bench a lot behind Asieda, and then also Rob Brower coming into the mix later in the year as well. You know, 12 tackles at 85%. Um, the arrow scrum was phenomenal, no matter who was in it. Um, I'm convinced that they can like looking at what their scrum was doing last year. I am very convinced that you can put any combination of front row guys there and they're going to win this. Like you would be, I don't know why you would bet against the arrows losing a scrum. Yeah. Um, but so line out's a part of that good scrummager. Um, he's got, there's a lot of guys on the team that he can learn from. You got Cortez and stuff now coming in too. That'll be a big boost to him just for like that scrum coaching. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Browns, well, and and, and you being on the team's a big veteran presence that could help him out a lot too. And I think like, I think if I'm why not, I'm super excited because this could be a breakout year for him. If you're like your position to do it now. So for sure. And, and you know what? Uh, on this podcast before the 2020 season, I would call that uh, a PS pre pre stew. Um, you were actually able to go to some of their training cat uh, camp uh, sessions. And you said on this podcast that line on the difference in his, like just like even like just his physique from the first season going to this season was a big change. And you, you said that he was someone to look forward to watching um, going into uh, the 2020 season. So, we might have lost a little bit of time, but I think maybe this year will be a big, uh, big year for him. Now, hello everyone, it's Derek Brissett here, and I would like to apologize for interrupting um, Lures Rugby episode sixty. I hope you are enjoying it so far, but I just wanted to pause to kind of introduce this new segment that I like to call the Lures Rugby Editor's Note. 
Now, during that opening segment, we said a handful of things that, quite frankly, are outdated now. And, you know, so I thought I would just take a moment to kind of correct what we kind of said, although I don't want to completely get rid of the whole conversation. So that's why I decided to do it like this. Basically, um, at the risk of pulling back the curtain on the glamorous life that is making a rugby podcast, sometimes we record and then in between the time that we record and are able to get the episode edited and out to the public on your favorite podcasting platforms, we sometimes receive information that makes what we said already outdated. And considering that the bulk of that conversation was kind of based on some outdated information, I figured I would take the moment to correct it. So at the time when discussing Pat Lynott and Richie Asieda, the amount of info that we were basically going off of was Asieda appeared on the Queensland Reds roster page on their website. He played in a trial match against the Waratahs the week prior, and he was also no longer included on the Toronto Arrows website. So that was the information that we're kind of going off of. And as you can kind of tell, maybe by piecing together things that we said in the introduction, we were talking about Valentine's Day and Family Day and the Leafs unexplicably blowing a 5-1 lead to the worst team in the NHL. Hopefully, if you were able to put that together, we did record this earlier in the week. We actually recorded this on Tuesday, um, the same time we actually did our interview with Lucas Rumball for episode 59, which is now available wherever you listen to podcasts. We recorded that on the Tuesday night, and then on Wednesday morning, the Queensland Reds named Richie Asieda to, as the reserve hooker to their lineup to play the Waratahs on Friday morning um, in the opening match of the 2021 Super Rugby AU campaign. Asieda did play, in, obviously, did play in that game. He played 11 minutes as the uh, the Reds just destroyed the Waratahs 41 to seven great opening weekend for them. So congratulations to Richie for making your super rugby debut. That is awesome. It's one of the best leagues in the world. Just playing one game, just getting there is a massive career achievement and uh, wishing, obviously wishing him the best of luck in the 2021 season. After the initial release of the Queensland Reds opening week lineup with Asieta listed as the reserve hooker, the Toronto Arrows sent out a press release that indicated that they did in fact reach an agreement with the Queensland Reds for the transfer of Richie Asieta. The club received a transfer fee for that with the amount of the transfer fee was undisclosed. And ultimately that makes Richie Asieta the first ever external transfer in Major League Rugby history. So that's going to be a really cool trivia question for somebody to be able to answer in like, you know, five, 10 years when we're looking back on the origins of the league. So now that it is completely confirmed that Asieta will be playing for the Queensland Reds for the duration of the 2021 season, um, the arrows are down to Lionot and Brower as the two loose head props. Ultimately, I still think that might mean that there's some experimentation seeing which guys are able to cover the loose head side in the event of an injury or suspension, strategic, personal, or any other reason that Brower and Lynott would not be able to play in a game. You might need somebody that's able to cover that loose head side. Um, I think training camp 
is going to be the perfect place to experiment with that and figure out who's the best fit to do that. But ultimately the, the battle for that number one Jersey will come down to Lynott and Brower. And it is a big opportunity for Lynott. And I still think that it is. Um, I just wanted to take the quick moment out of this episode, just to kind of explain that it's like, yeah, we, we kind of recorded that without necessarily all the information that is now available now that it is much later in the week and time has time has passed. So essentially that's, you know, kind of an update on that situation. And, you know, it, it is, I guess, the joys of recording a podcast sometimes where sometimes you do say some things and then before the public actually gets to hear it, um, the thing that you said is already significantly out of date. Um, so I just wanted to take the moment to kind of add that new piece of info to this podcast um, since it was a big cornerstone of that opening discussion there. So ultimately, I really just wanted to take this moment in the first ever LaRouge Rugby Editor's Note to mention that, yeah, Richie Asieda has become the first external transfer in Major League Rugby history. He will be playing for the Queensland Reds in the 2021 season. Now, with that being said, I would like to return to episode 60 of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. Stu, I have a question for you, and, and it still uh, retains to Mr. Lynott. The uh, the loose head position for Rugby Canada is also very uh, shallow right now. You know, we, Hubert Biden's uh, retired after the World Cup, so that leaves, uh, you know, Justice Sears Duru and Rob Brower. So is does this season kind of be a uh, you know uh, show me what you can do season for Lynott and, and possibly have a chance at making a run at the national team as well going into the summer tests whatever those look like? Oh, absolutely. I think um, I think we've all speculated and talked about it that this should be the building period towards the next World Cup. This should be where we're finding uh, the players for Canada that are going to be stepping up for uh, the team in France in 2023. And for Lineup, this is a great time. Obviously, the Arrows are going to have um, coaching consultancy from Rob Howley, who will also be working with the Rugby Canada uh, setup over there. So obviously, being placed in a position where he can be starting for the Arrows will inevitably help him in a bid to be one of the starters for Rugby Canada during the hopefully summer test season. But whenever we can get the qualification matches for uh, the Americas for the next Rugby World Cup, ideally as soon as possible, um, then this season is going to be the indicator. And hopefully injuries um, and serious injuries don't come up. But uh, yeah, we could be seeing an interesting new shape being taken to the Canadian team. Uh, Ross Brody joins the Arrows, um, and he's an interesting um, prospect, not only for the Arrows, but for Canada. Uh, he's another new Canadian international scrum half, um, joining the likes of Jason Higgins. Um, he comes from, uh, from South Africa, but is eligible through his father, who was actually born in Montreal. Uh, he attended a prestigious after prestigious school in uh, South Africa um, and also played through uh, the Bulls um, age grade program. So he definitely has been part of some uh, successful um, programs over in South Africa, um, made the jump and was actually introduced um, at the um, high performance camp in Canada. So 
he's a very interesting um, prospect. And I'm going to ask you guys this question because, again, I'm not really big into South African rugby, admittedly, um, other than the fact that I know that they won the World Cup. Um, but how much does his pedigree, and a lot of people talked about him playing for um, Gray College. That was, that was a big, big talking point. Um, but how much does his pedigree of, of his tutelage in South Africa going to play in his position in the depth chart? Because at the end of the day, we, he's an unknown commodity. You know, we don't, we haven't seen him in MLR. We haven't seen any preseason tape of him. We don't really know anything about him. But just kind of going into this, you know, we've got two new scrum halves that we're very much not familiar with. The coaching staff would be, where does all of this kind of train that he's had taken consideration when we look at the depth chart for the arrows? Well, obviously he's coming in with some pedigree. Um, like great college is like, if you, there, if you know, if you need to know anything about like high, like I guess high school rugby in South Africa, great college is like a Springbok factory. Um, they have, they've produced the most Springboks of any school in the country. Um, and like, pretty good it's a lot yeah there's some prestigious names that have uh rocked the uh the gray college kit there um so and the fact that also brought um brody captained the um the gray college team a couple on a few occasions as well so you know he kind of comes in with that with the bulls age grade too they're back-to-back champions um so like there's there's a lot he's got the success there but i don't know i don't think that means much once you actually get to camp like we'll see like what you can what you can actually bring like um i think you look at it's the nine jersey became with the signing of brody the nine jersey becomes very intriguing for the toronto arrows and it's because you kind of got you got Andrew Ferguson who has been capped by Canada, and then you got Jason Higgins and um, Ross Brody who are two guys that you know we haven't really seen in Canada yet, but they qualify for Canada based on you know parental heritage. So it's it'll be interesting to see because it's like in a way like. The, what the arrows do with the how their training camp plays out, how I guess even Silverthorne and Winokur kind of decide who gets to start, that could be a little bit of an indication on like where like their hierarchy kind of lands like within Rugby Canada as well, right? Because you're kind of looking at like I mean, with the exception of like Will Persilier playing in in France right now, like um, there's a real good chance that you're looking between Brody Higgins, Ferguson, like you're looking at the next world cups scrum half, um, in Canada. Right. I mean, obviously Priscillier in France definitely has his hat in the ring for that. Um, sure. And you know what, it, it, it's really interesting. We've got a lot of really interesting young, young scrum halves, especially some that have signed an MLR, like Fraser Hurst and Crosby Stewart. Like, you know, we've got some, names that that you know rugby canada has on their radar so to add even another one is kind of bananas to me yeah it's uh well i think that's it'll be interesting to see because i think like i think that this kind of in a weird way kind of goes back to what we were talking about last time with like the crossover athletes and stuff and it's like the hardest thing about like learning like a game sometimes is just like you know the 
the like the rugby IQ, like the mental awareness and everything when you're playing sure. the game. And it's like for that reason, like nine and ten are the hardest positions to probably. Oh, for sure. Um, and you kind of look at it, and it's like I think this is the one like awesome thing of kind of about this is like you look at like Peter. When how old is was Peter Nelson when he arrived to Rugby Canada last year? Like, do we do we remember? I don't remember. Well, I am going to Google him. All right, Google what, how old Peter Nelson is. Um, but I think looking at Ross Brody here, it's like the unreal thing I think about him is that he's he's 21 years old. Right. Yeah. So it's like you get a guy that not only grew up playing through the South African system, learning how to be and like look at like the nines that South Africa has produced too. Like they are, you know, again, like he's saying, great college is a you know a springbok factory, and it's like South Africa's like scrum half factory. Right. And um, mm-hmm. but he grew up and he played through that entire system. And now and now at a young age of 21 is making the decision to come and play for Canada internationally, come play for the Toronto Arrows. So it's like you get kind of that that benefit of the fact that he's grown up, you know, like and I mean, realistically, it is what it is like playing high school rugby in South Africa is a different level than anything you can touch here sure. um, prior to when you turn pro. You look like you, you're about to say something here, Dan, or you want to say something. Uh, Peter Nelson is 28 now. He's born in 1992. So, right, he so, so he was 26, so 27. 26, 27 last year, right? So like, I think, though, if you kind of look at Brody now, it's like we can get him. Like if he you know, performs and – is able to go to the World Cup, and I mean, if you watch a video of him playing at Gray College, it's like he 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 can go to the World Cup. But if he's if you like if he performs well and can get to like say the World Cup team, you can get him at a World Cup when he's twenty three. Get him at a World Cup four years. Like you can get multiple World Cups out of him. As opposed to like, you know, finding guys that are you know already you know maybe they still hung on to that that dream of like playing for their own country and stuff and finding them like a little bit later. Um, but I think, you know, so I think this is, this is, could be a huge opportunity kind of for Canada. Cause like, I mean, we've talked about it. We need scrum halves and we need fly halves bad. So, I mean, take them wherever you can find them. And if you got to go to South Africa, you got to go to Ireland to find them, then um, so be it and stuff. And yeah. I hope, uh, like I'm glad to see Brody here by all accounts. He was phenomenal at the high performance camp. So I think um like I'm I'm stoked that he's coming. I can't wait to see what he does this year. Now, Stu, you you had some interesting discussions on Reddit on the, the MLR sub thread when, when Ross was actually announced. Uh or uh because of the fact that someone was making the comment about how Canada is relying a lot on foreign players coming in and i think i think this person was talking a little bit more about the kind of the domestic level uh but it it kind of it grows into the the you know if you look at canada's two fly halves that play the majority of the world cup it was two guys born in ireland you know shane o'leary and peter nelson do you do you feel concerned that that we're having to rely on this or is it just that we got to be patient kind of deal when it comes to these skilled positions like nine and ten 
Yeah, I think it's a question of patience at the moment in the fact that um, as much as we would like to see uh, an all-Canadian setup for the Arrows, I also know that if the first 15 for the Arrows is also the first 15 for Canada, if there's ever a clash, they'll be called up. And at the same time, it's good to have these foreign players that come from uh, Tier 1 nations that have the experience of having started rugby much sooner than say a Canadian domestic player would have and therefore they have that experience to pass on to other players of course um, changing with coaching staff as well can obviously make a huge difference and for the time being it will be a case of yes we will need um, these foreign players because they have been trained specifically in these positions, it's not something you can just do of like, oh yeah, we've got a few um, too many wingers that are Canadian, let's just put one at 10 and see how it goes. You especially at the professional level, you can't make a decision on the fly like that. And so you need to have the training in place to train players to be able to fulfill the modern number 10 role. And for the time being, that means you'll have to have a certain reliance on foreign national players that won't be um, eligible as domestic players in like MLR, for example. So these are, there are a number well, of players are. that, Brody I know that, I know these okay. guys are, yeah. but for other teams, they, because uh, it's also something for like the US as well, is that they'll have um, players that are foreign national and unable to be capped by the United States or unable to, fall under the um, domestic player allocation for the time being. And it may be a case of like, oh, if they stay in the US or Canada for five years, perhaps, but obviously a World Cup happens in that time period. So you need to have um, the options available. So yeah, personally, I think that, you know, co uh, contact me in five years time. And if we're still <laughs> in the situation of we're still dependent on these foreign players uh, for number 10, then I think uh, we may have missed something. But for now, it's just a game of patience, really, and hopefully it'll pay dividends later down the line. See, I kind of think, though, like, especially like within the case of, like, Brody and Higgins, um, like, if World Rugby is going to say that these guys can play for your country, like... Let's take them. Yeah, take yeah. them. <laughs> In your he, player pool, like you're, well, you're I don't think we'll ever get to a point. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever get to a point in North America where rugby is as special and important as South South Africa or yeah. New Zealand or well, you know, even, even like it's just not going to happen. Like, even those countries, though, like look, like not everybody on those teams. Oh. Born, no, like, New Zealand has how many Pacific Islanders on the yeah, team not born there and 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 trained? It's that's. Like, it's just how do, it's just how it works in rugby, unfortunately. And do like, we, do we maybe need to do a better job of like developing nines and tens and other positions? Sure, yes, or whatever. But if we're gonna, but if the Springbok factory that is Gray College yeah. is like, hey, we have a Canadian. If if you're interested, um, yes, I'm very much interested. The same way that <laughs> you know, like DTH Vandermeer, James Pritchard. It's like, yeah, like yeah. bring over. Like yeah, if you if they're allowed to play for Canada, then play them. But this, this is the thing as well: is that if you're like, yeah, if, if you're, you're eligible, a, to play. Yeah. If you're in a tier one nation that produces like, like such great players, say like New Zealand, for example, and you're I don't know a fly half, 
but you're never going to be picked because you know Dan Carter yeah. or one of the Barretts is always available. Then maybe do a bit of digging through your family tree and find a nation that's yeah, well, yeah, in exactly. need of a fly off and off your pop. Or you know, future plannings, uh, try and get a visa for a certain country and end up extending. But look at look at guys years. like like James James Lowe. Like that guy's got all the talent in the world, and all it was is that it just wasn't the right time for New Zealand, and he had like rheumatoid arthritis, which he still deals with, and it, but it was really bad back when they were selecting people. He even played for the Maori All Blacks, and like it just didn't work out for him, and so he got a contract in in Ireland, and now he's capped by Ireland. Like it just happens sometimes, and yeah, no, it's Ireland's not sad about it. They t- it they're taking advantage of it. Yeah, it happens all the time. It happens in every single sport in the world. Um, so I mean, like I I think I saw those comments and stuff too, and I I, I do to a degree agree with what um he, the Reddit post was saying. Um, sorry, I forget the the username. Um. But like, I look, but I don't. yeah, we <laughs> we probably need to do a bit of a better job. Like, we'll see. We got a looks like a solid generation coming up, though. Um, like I said, with like you know Crosby, Stewart, Will Kelly, um, Persilier. Like, there's guys that are gonna be in the nines and the tens jerseys that will be great. Um, hopefully, will be great. And but yeah, like I think. Like Brody has a father that was born in Montreal, which makes him by world by world rugby standards, that makes yeah. you Canadian. That legitimately makes him Canadian. Yeah. You know, an actual he would have an actual Canadian passport with that. Um, so like you're if you're Canadian, you're Canadian, doesn't matter where you're born. If you're a, like, yeah, if you're Canadian, you're Canadian, come play. But uh yeah, kind of where I stand on that. And so it'd be silly to turn turn down guys, but yes, we do need to do a bit of a better job developing for the sure, position, but I mean, we're on our way. We can get some help from South Africa too. So I'm not, I'm not yeah. turning that down. Uh, okay, guys. So we're going to move on now. Um, there have been a, uh, a a few MLR signings. Uh, you know, Seattle has been consistently slowly rolling out their their roster. They've added some some domestic and foreign players. We're not going to get too much of it because really, not a whole lot of Canadian content there. But uh, we did want to look at MLR as a whole, and I'm going to give you guys three three uh, stories that, that came out of the Dallas Jackals dispersal draft. And I want you guys to tell me which one you guys found the most interesting. Um, the first one is Connor Mooneyham. Um, the first, the, the first, first overall pick uh, signed with Austin. Uh, and then kind of part of that story is, is he going to get any playing time with the Gilgroni stack back line? Um, the next one is Carlo Denishin, uh signing with San Diego. Uh, was that kind of a dream pairing out of the, uh, this whole Dallas nightmare? I mean, San Diego lost um, uh, Devereaux Ferris to the Seawolves. So this kind of seems like between him and Nate Osberger, they're going to have a good little situation going there. And then the last one is um, Christian Rodriguez going home and signing with the Guillotines. You know, that's a, that's a fun story all on its own, but he was one of the more impressive revelations at the World 10 series. So, I'm going to give you guys the chance to, to pick which ones you uh, thought were the most interesting. And I'm going to start with you, Stu. Which one did you think was kind of the, the most interesting story going into these training camps? I think the it's tied. Sorry to be uh, on the fence about it. Wow. I think um, Denishan and Rodriguez were both um, great signings, obviously. Denishan and I believe that will build competition in San Diego for that starting jersey and obviously i think competition also breeds progress like they can both 
you know, uh, be professional about it and um, pick up on what they're lacking individually to improve the team as a whole. Um, but having seen Rodriguez at uh, the 10 series, that is a fantastic so it was a fantastic signing for Dallas to begin with, and so it's now a fantastic signing for LA as well. Um, obviously, it all depends on what happens in training camp. The, I'm sure the coaches will be able to um, see what will fit better into uh, each of their respective team plans. But these are some great names to have in their teams. Stu picked two options. Cheated. 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 He still... Did not pick the right answer to this question. I was buttering um, it up for you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's all Connor. The, so far, anyways, have what's been announced so far, um, I would say it's Connor Mooneyham to Austin. You got the the number one pick in the first ever MLR draft, um, who by all accounts looks MLR ready. Um, Dan, you did mention the stacked back line. Um, in Austin, but um, you know, at the very least, hey, they still have a bench. So I mean, I'm sure he's going to get some playing time there. So, um, and the flexibility of being a center yeah, or wing is nice center as wing. Well. There's the flexibility. You never know, too. I mean, like it's the season. Season's long. It's unpredictable. You got to move guys around and stuff for various for sure. reasons. Um, but I think you look at kind of the situation with Mooneyham being that first overall pick, being hyped up as the great player that he hopefully will become, um, and then. Drafted by Dallas, Dallas can't play or pulls out of the season, goes in, and he's going to an in-state Texas Cup rival team. Um, I think that's quite quite a tasty little side story. Um, be interesting also to see if it comes back in a year um, or what happens with – we still have no idea what's going to happen with a lot of the Dallas roster in a year's time, but – I think to me, it's that one. And I think to me too, like the big one, I think with that is I think Mooneyham and realistically, I guess anybody that kind of got drafted this year, it'll be very interesting to see how guys kind of perform in comparison to like the rest of the league, see how like strong the draft class is, see how, how well, you know, guys from one down to what was it? 24 picks. Um, see how they all kind of stack up when they actually get some major league rugby playing time in. Um, and Mooneyham being the number one pick, that's going to be, you know, kind of the, uh, the spotlights on you, um, to kind of see how you perform right out of the gate. Cause I feel like this, this is the first MLR draft. So this is the draft class that realistically has to set. People are going to remember. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is the one that has to set the tone for everybody else, the future to come. Um, you know, the 2021 draft class, the 2022, it's like, it's all right now, like this is the original. So this is what everyone's going to compare it to. So and Mooneyham, you're the first ever first overall pick. So that's you're you are now the standard bearer of what every first overall pick in the MLR draft will be compared to, um, you know, until the MLR is like so successful and long gone that, you know, it's it's a strain to remember who was in the first draft class. But um, you'll remember the name Mooneyham. Yeah, exactly. It's the ultimate trivia question and stuff. And I mean, the shit, the uh, nation is is cool, but I mean, like it's. You know, I think he probably like I don't know. I think the situation in Dallas with him starting would have been interesting. I think you kind of go with a uh, you have two like that's kind of the thing, right? Like sometimes, you know, obviously San Diego kind of replaces some of their scrum half depth there, but um, that's kind of what it is. It's like I think 
you know, it's a guy that Colorado with his time with Colorado showed that he definitely can start in major league rugby. And now he's kind of a, a bit of a depth role again. So, um, I, I, I like the move from San Diego. You can never have enough too many scrum halves, but yeah. and the nice thing is Osper has also played on the wing as well. So maybe that, maybe that just gives a little bit more flexibility as well. Um, to me, it's Christian Rodriguez signing with the Guiltinis. See, um, you should have just, you should have just picked one. Like then we could have had all. Yeah, we could have had nice, nice flow. But you know what? Uh, local kid. Um, and one of the cool things when they when he kind of did a little promo about signing with them, um, is the fact that he wants to give back to the local community. You know that that he learned from his learned his rugby from. So, I think that's always so cool. And he. You know, him and Aaron Matthews were two of the the exciting young guys at the World 10 Series. So um, I'm excited to see him uh, join the ranks of MLR. Um, one of the last things we're going to talk about, guys, is uh, San Diego has announced their new arena or unofficially have announced. Uh, uh, America's Rugby News has released that uh, San Diego is set to play home games at Cashman Field um, in Las Vegas. Um, apparently, it's just located north of the Vegas Strip. Um, it's a converted baseball field. And from some of the photos that uh, I, I looked into, it looks like it's a much better situation compared to some of the all other ball diamonds that um, MLR has had to use. Um, I think they already and, converted parts of it. Yeah. It's, it's now a soccer, soccer venue. Team that plays yeah. There. Yeah. yeah the it's a LA, soccer LA, venue. The now. Las Vegas, sorry. Las Vegas lights. Yeah. Of the USL play that um, capacity of like 9,000. So, you know, we don't know if there are going to be allowed fans. We don't know if it's going to be a certain capacity, but uh, definitely has the room to, to, to get some people in there. Um, my question to you guys, it's got to be quick, quick answers. Um, is this going to be a setup? Are they really going to be watching this to see if, if, uh, if Las Vegas could be another spot to put an MLR team? Is this kind of a trial run is what I'm asking? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I think if you wanted to, I mean, maybe, but I think like this is a terrible year to test like things like ticket sales or something that would <laughs> actually, like would actually be needed to really assess if you wanted to have a team there. Right. Like, um, I think, I, I think you kind of look at it as like, you know, the San Diego needs a place to play. They picked Vegas, the stadium's available. Um, but beyond, beyond that, like, I think, 20 like if this was 2019 and they were like hey like san diego's gonna play a couple home games in vegas and then they did the vegas weekend and then this happened then maybe i would be like maybe they're they're doing the uh, test run to get into vegas did killer not mention vegas as yes part he of, did. He like did. as like one of the uh in that press release from like that's a- why i'm i'm curious yeah. so like obviously why not go back to sam boyd yeah, they're not because it's crap. Sam, Sam Boyd's too big, too big. It's too um, big. It's too old. But, but if you're only if you can only have so many fans in the stands, why, then you don't why need. And you don't need one that's too big. <laughs> that's you, you, need, you need the other direction. Um, I I just like I think there's there's deservedly I think there's interest. Um, it seems like there's at least some interest in um, you know, Las Vegas from Major League Rugby. They've shown that they're at least partially interested in the city. Um, especially with the Vegas weekend last year. Um, you can debate how successful that actually was, but obviously Major League Rugby is interested in Las Vegas to a degree. And but I think I think this would be an absolutely terrible year to test if like a market's good though. 
um just because it's like like if like you can't have fans or you can have limited fans and stuff i mean maybe it helps maybe it's a little bit of an indicator like but i feel like in any other year i feel like i might say yes to your theory here dan but i think just because it's like of the weirdness that this is it'd be like that's fair like i like i don't think like, do we feel like the NBA is looking at Tampa as a basketball market right now because the Raptors are there? Or are they just kind of like, point. hey, they're playing, right? Or like, like I don't think – like Major League Baseball is probably not being like, oh, man, like we got to put a team in Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, like let's go. Damn it. You know what? We, I, we I thought that was a good question, but you Buffalo kind of poked market. the holes in my logic. Yeah, it's like I don't know. It's like, good. Didn't think about it that way. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna counter that. I'm gonna say that um, for an an investment group or for someone to invest in MLR, you have to um, you know sometimes throw caution to the wind and you know see if you can risk it for the biscuit. And it seems like these are very specific scenarios in which you you know you obviously can't take away things like ticket sales or um, attendance because of COVID. But hopefully, as um, the vaccine rollout um, happens throughout uh, North America, you know, maybe things change. Maybe, um, you know, uh, the stadium seating increases. And if there's an investment group already in Las Vegas who's already like on the fence about, yeah, getting take it with take the season with a grain of salt. Say we yes. know that 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 in the next season it'll be different so let's just see with covid in mind let's see how this season goes exactly then, yeah right? and and if you say like okay this is a venue that you know we can work together with the city of las vegas and with the las vegas lights group and because it's the same thing in like the uk a lot of um rugby uh, teams will play at uh, soccer or football stadium that uh, we call them and it's because they're the same dimension, same pitch dimensions, which, you know, you don't get with like an American football pitch. So it's much more beneficial to have. There's also been talks about the stadium being redeveloped because they want to make it a um, major league soccer venue and the team be in the MLS, which could then develop into a major league rugby development plans in the sense of, um, you know, some stadia will have, a bigger capacity than required at the moment, but you can say, oh, we'll limit it to 10,000 seats maximum. And then when we hit 10,000, we'll increase it to 15,000 or sure. 20,000. And so, and especially if, you know, the United States is bidding for a World Cup and when that happens or when that's announced, I think is next, May next year. Is that correct? Sometime, sometime next year is the decision is made and it is the U.S., I can see the joining fee for joining MLR to skyrocket as well. So maybe you want to get in a bit early. And you, if your resources are limited to, you know, the Legion playing in Las Vegas, then maybe you just got to take a roll of the dice. I like that, Stu. Well, that's where we're going to end it tonight, gentlemen. I was um, going to say, or they're just playing there because they can't play in San Diego right now. That's also true. I like both of you made very convincing arguments, and I, that's what I appreciate about you, gentlemen. Now, um, if anybody else is interested in hearing uh, Mr. Brissett's voice, uh, he also joined the Earful Dirt podcast on their latest episode and talked football a little bit. You're you're a little quiet talking about some of that football there, Derek. My wife and I were chuckling at that, but 
They talked about dude, dude, if you see, if you can throw the ball forward, I don't know anything about it, man. <laughs> That's like I I got nothing. I was the, watching the Super Bowl. Like I'm, there's four da- like the, they kept getting extra downs. No one was getting points for kicking the ball. I'm surprised he didn't just like shout while they're talking. The CFL's better. But uh, I should have. I, I tried to sneak it in at the end. I said we got to do it. We got to invite them up for like a great cup of recap. Yeah. Next. Uh, Hopefully the CFL plays this year. I mean, Hopefully, we'll, bowling, bowling. we'll invite them up for a great cup recap. That's a whole another, another. We whole can get them to ball full of wax. The, the the great cup halftime show. Listen, you know what we'll do is we'll have them come on and we, we can do a recap of the Tim Hortons Briar next March. It's a month from now. Then I have to watch that. Exactly. That's why I'm trying to get you both into curling. Uh, but yeah, no, listen, guys, uh, listen, listen on uh, to the episode. Has a lot of really uh, interesting information about what's going on with the arrows what's going on with mlr and a whole bunch of other stuff so it is fantastic and if you want to listen to more of our episodes go to larouche rugby on facebook twitter instagram we have links to our uh, episodes that are archived or find us on any podcast streaming service and you know what make sure you give us a little comment and a little review saying how awesome we are and how much you love the podcast because that's how other people are going to see it and that's how we're just going to grow this little show so Gentlemen, we, uh, we've got some Scotties this weekend, which is fantastic. We've got a little bit of a break from Six Nations, but it'll be back soon. And we've got tons of training camp rumors to look forward to. 